We are in um, Galatians chapter 4. You can go ahead and turn there. Galatians chapter 4, while you're finding out. Um, back in the day when people couldn't get on a plane and fly across the ocean, if you wanted to travel from, say, England to America, you had to get on this thing. It's called a boat. And before boats were really good, it would take a long time to get from one side to the other. There's a story of a, of a man who wanted to travel from England to America, and so he worked really hard. He was kind of poor. He saved up all his money. He bought a ticket, and the ticket cost him literally almost all of his money. And so when he got the ticket, as he's preparing to go on to the boat, he got a suitcase, and he bought as much cheese and crackers as he could possibly afford with the money he had left over, stuffed that suitcase full of cheese and crackers, got onto the, the cruise, onto the boat. And so the two or three weeks that it took to get across – Every time that people would go to the banquet hall to eat, he would take his cheese and crackers and go find a corner somewhere, and he'd just, like, eat his cheese and crackers. And he did this the entire time. Until towards the end of the cruise, the, 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 towards the end of the travel, um, somebody, a man came over and said, like, I've noticed every time we go to the banquet hall, you go off to a corner and you, like, start eating these cheese and crackers, and why don't you just come eat with us? And he kind of you know, turned a little bit red and got embarrassed. He's like, well, I mean, to be honest with you, like, I don't have a lot of money. And it cost me almost everything I had, like, all the money I had to buy the ticket just to get on the boat. I don't have any money to, like, got, you know, get extra stuff on the boat, like meals and stuff. And the man kind of got this really funny look on his face. He's like, but, sir, you know that, like, meals are included in the price. Well, that probably would have been good to know on the front end, right? So, like, towards the end of the he's like, are you kidding me? Like, so the whole time he's on the boat, he's not even able to take advantage of things that were already covered in the cost. Now, I'm not 100% sure that that's 100% true, right? But I do know this. It's a really good illustration for the passage that we're going to look at. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Here's what it says. Paul writes, what I'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Verse 6, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, since you are no longer a slave, but, his, but God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So, Father, in your name, Jesus, right now, we just invite you to come into this place. Speak through me, God. This is your word, not mine. You speak, God, truth to our hearts. Remind us of who we are in you, we ask. In your name, Jesus, amen. A couple of weeks ago, I was, I was reading this passage and just marinating on it. I wasn't even really reading it like thinking about preaching, and I was just kind of reading it. And like this, these seven verses, man, they just jumped off the page to me. And I, I started, um, don't, don't freak out like when I say like I felt like God was saying. I don't mean like I heard him like audibly 
Paul. You know, like, but you know, I can't just kind of sense like the Holy Spirit illuminates these scriptures, and I sense that the Lord was saying some things to me in this passage that were um, hard. Maybe at first, when I first came, I was like, "Are you sure, God, that that's that that's what you're talking about?" Because that seems so weird, especially like in light of the song that we just sang, right? No longer slaves. Here's the first thing that I felt like God said. He said, "Freedom was never the goal. Adoption was." Freedom was never the goal. Adoption was. Now, we're going to have to unpack that statement a little bit, okay? So um, we'll, we'll get to it. We've, we've already read the passage. Um, let me explain what that means, but first let me just say this. Here's the big idea, and then we'll kind of, it'll all kind of come together. The big idea, the Father's heart has always been adoption. Freedom was never the goal. Adoption was Freedom is not the goal. Adoption is the goal. The Father's heart has always been adoption. Now, I learned early in my life that adoption is a family affair. I, th- I think I was in the fourth grade when um, my, my mom and dad said that they wanted to, there was this, this girl that we, they wanted us to meet as a family. And so we went up into the mountains, the foothills, not the mountains, the foothills. Uh, we were on the smelly side of Asheville, right? Remember, you remember when you drive through it and you'd be like, oh, what is that? Like, my dad was always like, who did that, right? It's <laughs> like, uh, dad, apparently an entire city did that, right? They all got together and did it, whatever. So, but the smelly side of Asheville, and that's where we, we, we met my sister Sissy for the first time. And so I was, she was third grade, I was fourth grade when we adopted her and brought her into the home. And I remember how much joy there was and also how much tension there was. Now, I, don't, I can't speak about adoption from a parent standpoint, but from a sibling who had somebody come into their home, let me tell you, adoption was a family affair. All of us were involved in the process. It wasn't just mom and dad. All of us were impacted as a result. She didn't get adopted into a vacuum. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, here's Sissy, and she goes in her own room and never comes out, right? And then our family just goes on as usual. Like, the whole system kind of got shaken up a little bit because there was someone new in the house that we didn't really know, seemed like a stranger, but yet she wasn't just visiting, right? She was actually us. It's a family affair, I was reminded again about adoption, the power of adoption. This past week, um, I, I you know, was able to attend the memorial service for Renee's brother. And just hearing them share, he was, a, he was also a foster child and then adopted, and hearing them share stories of, of what it was like having him come into the home, I just was sitting there going, man, God, this is so beautiful. The, the stories of adoption, the pictures of it. I don't know how many of you here might be impacted by adoption as well. But it's a family affair. I want to make sure that you get that. I've, I've asked Renee if she would be willing to come. And she was like, yes, I will come. And I will trust the Holy Spirit to give me words to say. And just share a little bit, just, just her story through adoption. Come on, hop up here. And, and just what she experienced. Um, some of what you might have shared at the funeral, but whatever God puts in your heart. Yeah, my brother was adopted, and he, like Paul said, same kind of experience through foster care. And he came to our family when he was close to five. I think he was almost five. And I'll never forget the day 
um, my sister shared this at the funeral, that the day he came, the social worker pulled him up in a car, and this little boy comes out, cute as a button, but he was filthy from head to toe and had no shoes, raggedy clothes, no shoes, had nothing else to bring with him, but had a smile. He had a smile, but he was just a mess, and me and Gina just scooped him up and ran a bath water, a bubble bath, and put him in it and scrubbed him down from head to toe and just had a party with him in that tub. And he loved it. He was clean. We got him clean. And me and Gina just, he was like our little baby doll. We just loved him. And uh, I was maybe, I think I was, I think I was 14, 15, something like that. Gina was like 13. So he was just like our little, little one. And we loved Sammy. We loved him. And we took him in. And mom and dad ended up adopting him at age nine. He got to stay with us forever after that. We were his forever home. But I watched, and I wanted to share this at the memorial, and I get, I had it on my paper in front of me, but somehow I didn't share it. So I guess this is where I'm supposed to share it, that Sammy began to, as he got older, start looking like my dad. I could see my dad. He did. If you ever saw him, and you saw pictures of my dad when he was younger, he started looking like my dad. And so I think when... Um, God adopts us, we begin to look more like him, the same way that my brother started looking like my dad. And um, adoption is a huge part of our life because my mom and dad stepped out and did what they did. I always knew when I got married, I always knew that I wanted to be a foster parent too. Always knew. And so we waited till our three boys were old enough to help us and we started taking in foster children ourselves. And we did it for nine years, and finally God sent us one that we could keep forever, which is Katie, the girl that you see running around that does not look like me <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. But she does have the same heart. She has my heart. She's always been in my heart. She was born in my heart, and that's where she was conceived, and that's where God has put her in our life. And I would never, the things that we've gone through in our life, I don't know how I would go through those things without that joy in our home of that little girl in our home. She has been a rock in my life, but God put her in our life and has made Katie. Katie has such a heart for God. She has such a heart for God and so focused on him. She knows that he is her father. She'll never know her biological earthly father, but she has a dad that loves her more than life itself itself and brothers that would give their life for her same way that my brother had Sam had us his whole life and just like we would give our life for Sam I think back what the Lord has done for us gave his life for us same thing same thing so I could go on and on about adoption because it's huge with me so but I just I think that's what I was supposed to share That is so good. Thank you for sharing. If you really look at these verses, what you'll find is that every member of the Trinity is mentioned here. It says in verse 4, but when the set time had fully come, you might have a translation that said, but at just the right time. 
we're not preaching about this, but aren't you glad that God's not late like we are? Right? At just the right time. The Greek word literally means in the fullness of time. So, like, could Jesus have been born any time? No. This was the time when everything had come together. It was full. It's like it literally the picture of that Greek word is a pregnant woman who cannot go any longer. Right? Like, it's time to come. It's time for delivery. Right? When the fullness of time had come. When the fullness of time had come, God, the Father, sent the Son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit. Father, Son, Spirit. We could say it like this. The Father selects us, the Son saves us, the Spirit sets us. It's a family affair. So adoption, so I love how Renee was sharing that, and I was thinking the same thing. Like we would, as Sissy was with us, people would start thinking, like she just looked like she's part of the family, you know. Adoption's a family affair. But not just physically, but even spiritually. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three of them are involved in this process. All of them are a part of this. So in rela- it takes relationship to bring people into relationship. I hope you're getting this. Like it's a family affair. It takes all of us to be a part of seeing people adopted into the kingdom as well. It's a family affair. The son and spirit are busy with adoption. Why? Because the father's heart has always been adoption. Can you imagine the mess that um, Renee's household would have had and my house would have had if all of the family was not on board with the process of adoption? If mom and dad had come home from the smelly side of Asheville with a new sister and said, here is your sister, and we had said, she's not my sister. Nope. And there were times after that that we wanted to say that. And she probably wanted to say, and you're not my brother either, right? But what if we had just like folded our arms and said, not, not, in, not in my life, not in this house. This is mine. This is my room. This is my kitchen. That's my chocolate. Don't touch it, right? There's not, I'm not sharing my stuff with you. It, it takes the whole family. What I want you to see in this little spot right here is if, it, if the father's heart has always been adoption, then the son is all about adoption, And the spirit is all about adoption. Why? Because their father is all about adoption. So for us, if our father has a heart for adoption, then guess what he wants us to have a heart for? Adoption, right? Adoption. It's a family affair all the way from heaven to here. And that brings us to the next thing that I I sensed as I was marinating on this passage, okay? So this is going to sound a little different as well. But, but listen, the Father's plan, like I said, was never about freedom. It was always about adoption. His goal was not that we would no longer be slaves, but that we would become sons. So here's your second point. Adoption changes our identity. It changes our identity. The Greek word for adopt literally means this. To be placed in the family as an adult child changes our identity. Literally went from slave 
to son. My identity has changed, and identity is all about my position, okay? So we're in the family with access to everything that the father has given his children. Everything. Everybody say every. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says that we have every spiritual blessing. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with some spiritual blessings in Christ. No, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have access to all of it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. It doesn't matter if you've been saved one hour or you've been saved a decade. You have the same access to every spiritual blessing that the Father has in heaven. Because you've been adopted in as sons. You've been planted in his family with all of the rights and access of a full-grown adult son. That's huge. That's huge. I said that the goal wasn't freedom. The goal was adoption. Look at, look at verse 4 again. Verse 4 says this, But when the set time had fully come, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. Sometimes that's where we stop. Now, hang with me, okay? I'm going to say some things you're going to be like, huh? I'll explain it, right? We talk about the cross all the time for good reason, right? Because that's where what we just read took place. In the fullness of time, the Father's heart has always been adoption. So the Father sent his Son to the cross so he could redeem us, and redeem means to buy us back. So he had to buy us out of slavery. He buys us back, and then that's it. Is that where it stops? No, because just, just listen to me. Okay? If all we had was the cross, then all we are are forgiven orphans. We're just free orphans. It's literally as if God would have sent Jesus to the cross and he would have died on the cross and broken our chains and then walked away and left us there. Well, you're free. Well, yeah, Jesus, I'm free, but I'm still alone. What do I do now? I mean, I get that I'm not a slave, but who am I? And adoption, it changes our identity. It changes who we are. But we don't just have the cross. We have a spirit who was also sent. And why was the spirit sent? I know there's a bazillion reasons, right? But in this context, you know why the spirit was sent? So that we wouldn't be just forgiven and freed orphans but that we would be picked up free and set in a family. It's by the Spirit that we cry, Abba, Father. Romans 8.15 is a, a verse similar to what we just read here. In our translation, in our passage, it says, because 
you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. And so we could say all day, well, no, no, the spirit's the one that says Abba, Father. And I'm not supposed to say that. But Romans 8, 15 says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you should live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, full confession, okay? People that say, Daddy, God, Oh, Daddy God, oh, Daddy God. I'm like, oh, you, really? Like, is that what we're saying now, Daddy God? But you know why they say that? Because that's what it means. That's what the word Abba means. Abba is, the, the Greek word here is the intentional, he intentionally used the word that was spoken by small children about their dad. In fact, Jesus uttered the same word. It's like, I started asking myself this question. Why don't I like to say Daddy God? I think it just makes me feel like a child. And I felt like God said, I think that's the point. Oh. Oh. More on that in a minute. So if adoption changes our identity, listen, why are we doing the encounter? Oh, so we can all come together and have a great time and sing and clap our hands and it'd be a great, it'd be four cool moments at night and it'd be fantastic and there's nothing else to do in Albemarle anyway, so I'll just come to this. No. The reason why we do encounter is because we want to remember that the goal of encountering the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit isn't to see people set free, it's to see people set into family. Psalm 68, 6, God sets the lonely in families. He doesn't just set them free. He sets them in families. His heart has always been that. If we're honest, this is when adoption gets tough. Because like we said earlier, the person being adopted is set into a family that has already been existing. Can we just, like, get really real for a second? It's hard sometimes for churches to grow, not because God loves small more than big or big more than small, but because people like it the way it is. Well, this is my church. That's my pew. That's my pastor. Why are you taking his time so I can't have it anymore? This is my community group. We use my version of the Bible. Why aren't we singing my songs anymore? Do you see where this is headed? This is the hard part of adoption. So somebody gets saved and set free and redeemed, and the Holy Spirit picks them up and sets the lonely in a family. And if he sets them in the family at the gathering, guess what we get to do? The same thing that I got to do when Sissy came. The same thing that Renee's family got to do when Sam came. You, uh kind of get bumped up against a little bit and you have to make room and like you didn't share this I know but at the funeral she talked about she loved going through and making space in her closet and in her drawers like that was my space but now it's your space guess what I I can't have the same testimony because I didn't like that that is my drawer I will put my smelly stuff where I want to put it right like you get your own drawer (laughs) it is hard adoption So it doesn't just change our identity. Let me just say this. It challenges our maturity. Oh, and that's a hard one. 
Adoption challenges our maturity. If identity was about position, then maturity is about process. Here's what that means. Positionally, our identity is that we've been adopted as grown adult children in the kingdom, which means, going back to the context where this was first written in Galatians, if you were born into wealth, you didn't get that wealth until the father said it was time for you to have the wealth. So the father would actually have slaves take care of his heir until the heir was old enough and responsible enough to take care of the inheritance. Yeah, you ever know people that, well, you might not know them. You know what a trust fund is? First of all, it's, it's the wrong name. It should be a I don't trust fund, right? Because they set it up because the person who's going to get the wealth can't be trusted to do the right thing with the wealth yet. So we're going to give you a little bit at a time and hold most of it in trust until you can receive it. Now, legally, you're getting it at the right age, whether you're ready for it or not. But I want you to get the concept. So positionally, as his children, we've got access to everything that the Father gives us. But practically, do we live in such a way as to be entrusted with everything the Father wants to give us? That's the real rub, right? That's where we get stuck. We don't always know how to handle everything. Verses 1 through 3, here's what he says. Paul's basically saying like, hey, we were heirs to it all, but we can't be trusted with it all. But at just the right time, at just the right time, the Father sent the Son. And, and in context of the history of time, right, what Paul was saying was before Jesus came, you might have been heirs, but you couldn't handle it. So God sent his son at a specific time in history to redeem you so that you could be now adopted as full heirs to the kingdom. So everything from the cross forward, all of us in this room that are in Jesus, we're positionally, we got it all. This is about the process. Adoption challenges our maturity, the process of seeing people brought into the kingdom through adoption. I know you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It'll, it'll, it'll all come together, I promise. So Jesus and the Spirit changes all of this. We needed somebody to rule over us, to tell us what to do. And that's what the law did for all those years before Jesus came. That's why the Pharisees had so many rules. It wasn't because they woke up one day and said, today we're going to be jerks. It was that they woke up every day saying, we don't want to break God's law so we're going to maybe even adapt some of those laws and create some more laws to ensure that we don't break the first laws. And it'll, it'll all be law, right? Their heart was, we don't want to mess up. But we always mess up. So let's write more rules to keep us from messing up. And they would break those too. Because our hearts have always needed somebody over us. We all hate bad bosses, but if we're honest, a lot of us probably need them. But in the kingdom, what God's saying is, my heart is not that you would always be this. Like, I don't want to be your taskmaster. I just want to be your master. I don't want you to, I don't want to have to tell you always what to do. I want to lead you. And those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God, right? Not driven by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. He wants that for us. And so because we had to have a law telling us what to do, he sent Jesus 
his son to redeem us from the law, from that curse. So we wouldn't have to have somebody telling us what to do. Gives the Holy Spirit to set us in a family and in that environment begins to work on our maturity. So God grows us so that he can entrust us with what he's already provided for us. Make sure you hear that. God grows us so he can entrust us with what he's already provided for us. You can see this growth process. Let me just read um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Just as I read these verses, just, just listen to the, 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 the growth and the process in this passage. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Can you hear the process in those verses? Like, hey, guys, we're, we need to keep growing up. We need to keep maturing. We're working our way to this point where we'll have the fullness of him in every way. Like, that's the process. But you understand that while he's telling that to the children about the process, he's talking to kids who actually have been adopted into the kingdom as full adults. Positionally, we have it all. Practically, we don't steward it all that well because we forget who we are. So the challenge this morning, honestly, is to see the good news and bad news scenario in all of this because God doesn't want millionaire babies. He doesn't want trust fund babies, right? He doesn't want millionaire babies. He wants mature heirs. He wants children, and he says, I can trust you with this because you, you have my heart. You have my heart, and my heart has always been adoption. And so as I pour out the blessings of heaven on you, you're not going to grab it for yourself and hoard it. You're going to share it and see other people adopted into the kingdom. I can trust you now with all that I have. Every spiritual blessing that you have, you can use it. You're my co-heir with Christ because he knows that we have his heart. So the next four nights, what do, what do we want from God? What do I want for our church? Man, I want our church to get the heart of God for adoption. I mean, physical adoption is awesome, yes, but today we're talking about spiritual adoption. That's what Paul's talking about, to get his heart for spiritual adoption. And he wants us to see why he wants to use that avenue to bring people into the kingdom. So why is the Holy Spirit so important in the adoption process? Because God wants everybody to be Pentecostal. Uh, well, I mean, we can talk about that. Maybe, maybe not. But for sure, that's, this is the reason why. The Holy Spirit's critical to the adoption process because there's such a gap between who we are and 
what we do. Let's say it this way. Between our identity, who we are, and our maturity, how we do what we do. There's a gap. Have you noticed that gap in your own life? And so sometimes what we think is, and, and Ben, y'all can come on back up now. Um, sometimes what we think is, oh, so I see what you're saying, Paul. Like now, now like he's our father, we're his children, and so like we better, we better start doing things the right way. Have you ever heard somebody say, you better act, act your age? Or um, not that any parents here would do this, but I bet you had parents that sat in the car outside of a friend's house, and before you went in, they said, now listen, when we go in my friend's house, this is how you're going to act. Well, I don't want to act that way. Well, your last name is Jenkins. No, it's not. <laughs> Another story, right? Listen, this is not in a taskmaster way. So the point of this message is not, hey, um, adoption challenges our maturity. It changes your identity. It's, it's not to say to you, hey, you better start acting right. God's not in heaven going, you better start acting. He doesn't give us the Holy Spirit. I know he convicts us, but he's not beating us up over the head going, you better start acting like a real Christian. Don't be such a jerk. Be happy about it. You got joy. I gave you joy. Act like it. That's not the point. The point's not for him, the Holy Spirit to be a taskmaster. The point is the Holy Spirit comes alongside us, and he fills the gap. He sees that, you know what, this is who you are, and uh, your maturity level has not quite reached your level of identity. And I want to help you fill the gap, and here's why. Not because I'm ashamed of you, but because there are so many blessings that God wants to pour out on you. And he can't yet. And, and he sent me as the helper to help you identify the areas where we need to help your maturity grow. I love that. I love that. That's why we picked the song this morning, right? Because we're no longer slaves. We've been brought into a family. From a slavery mindset to a maturity mindset. Would you stand with us this morning? We're just going to end this morning singing this. God does not want forgiven servants. He wants family members. And that's who you are. If you're here and you're in Christ, this is your testimony. And I'm going to call you this morning just to close your eyes and worship like crazy as we close with this song. Put your hands in the air. And come on, sing this out. We're no longer a slave. Born again.
Adoption changes our identity, and adoption challenges our maturity. And if we were going to add a third point to close this out, I would say that adoption creates intimacy. Tim Keller says this, the only person who has the courage to wake up a king at three in the morning for a glass of water is a child. And we have that kind of access to the king because he's adopted us and placed us in his family. My prayer as we leave this morning is that over the next four nights, you would come to encounter the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, not just for a show, which not, I'm not worried about that, but I want you to come and encounter His presence for the intimacy that He gives us, the confidence that He gives us to come boldly before the throne of our Father and bring our needs to Him and have Him be enough for us. Everybody say, I am adopted. And if you can't say that this morning, this is a great day to be adopted into the kingdom of God. If you can't say, I am adopted, then today you can be. Because the, the father whose heart is to adopt sent his son to redeem us back so that his spirit could set us in as adopted members of his family. So this morning, if you're that person, you're here and you're like, man, I want that. When everybody turns to head that way, I'll be right here. I'd love to, just to talk with you, pray with you, and help you become an adopted member of the family of God.